One, two, one, two. How am I sounding? Well, I'm spectacular. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you stop. like. What a stop! Just for Ben! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it's been, we're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something. We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up. When we finally turn it over Oh lads, the sound of that jingle The season is back Well I don't want to go repeating myself from exactly well, a year ago what you do, but go for it, yeah I still can't help but notice in the jingle That I'm not included Yeah What do you think Dave? He's so desperate to include himself Go do a new jingle Well no, in fairness, look I mean, you know, maybe, maybe he has a point And, you know, he comes in a good week Where Nathan Murphy is on the big game this weekend He's got the big. He's got the plush one, Dave. He has. I'm do- I don't like what's been implied. As if I've never has. done the big game before. You've got the big game. Yeah, he does get a raw deal now. I heard some of the chat surrounding the uh, Chelsea City game last weekend on Saturday's yeah. off the ball. And again, poor Nathan was. He was being treated unfairly. I mean, who picks who? Who does these games? Who picks? I mean, who? Basically, whoever who schedules this. Whoever is quicker to actually get in and put in the fixtures. No, 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 no. it's a fairly fair system. Yeah. Whoever is inputting this Says the man into who our puts the system together. No, whoever gets to the dock first just lashes one or of the two of us onto a particular game. And it just so happened that you got and uh, then, Chelsea City last weekend. And then we That's, say to each other, well, "Are you unhappy with any of that?" And then we go change it. It's an equitable system. You see, you see, Adrian, you're looking at it a different way to the way we are. I actually don't, don't mind doing Palace, Arsenal, Sellers Park. It's a nice, handy trip over and back. It's a great ground second week of the season it's actually quite an interesting now if it's City Chelsea it's the second last weekend of the season then we'll have a cat fight then we'll have a little (laughs) row about it but this early in the season it's fine we'll get our fair share the fact that you're both team players that's amazing well somebody's got to be around uh, here uh, Everton City this weekend on your off Dave ah ah we have uh, Mark Scott and Imagine. John Anderson. You know, Adrian, you're ignoring something. Uh, you're ignoring something very important. Following your intro, which is that we basically haven't done a podcast for the first two weeks of the season. I know, I'm not ignoring that. I'm just getting to it. Okay. It is. Uh, Imagine having the temerity to take some annual leave. Two and a half weeks the in. Absolute brazen cheek of it. Two and a half weeks in, and this is our first Friday football podcast. So, first of all, for the enormity of the contacts that we've had over the last few weeks, look, apologies. First of all, I know that people were keen to uh, get up and running with the, you know, I think people f- sort of sense that maybe their season hasn't properly really begun until the Friday Football Podcast is back. Certainly Pete? that one guy who tweeted us. Yeah, well, ple- yeah. people implies there's more than one person. Yeah, well, it just fits in with the one. completely amateurish nature of this production. Yeah. I understood that uh, when I took charge of the GA pod last week, that there was a Premier League podcast being done at the same time, but clearly I... Well, I understand to assume nothing, Dave, is the sort of thing. Right. In fairness, I did sort of assume the same thing, but then uh, when Nathan Murphy sort of hightailed it around half four last Friday and there was no <laughs> sign of a podcast, I thought, right, I it around half four. That's it done. Well, look, it's a Friday afternoon. I think we just come to expect this, which that you're sort of out the door as soon as is possible. <coughs> I'm planning on leaving at half four today. Just uh, anyway. <laughs> to uh, <laughs> recap, in case in the middle of all that nonsense you didn't get that we've uh, double helping of live Barclays, it's still the Barclays Premier League for another season, uh, and it starts with West Brom, Chelsea from the Hawthorns, 
at half one on Sunday. Mark Scott and John Anderson there. And then the big one, Nathan Murphy alongside Clinton Morrison uh, for Everton against Manchester City at Goodison Park at four o'clock. We'll have updates too from the other one, Watford against Southampton. And on Saturday, as always, a busy day. Nathan Murphy's been busy uh, putting Saturday together piecing and planning the various little bits of the jigsaw. Last week we had Stephen Hunt and he's looking at me as if to say, what the fuck are you on about? No, um, I don't like your sarcastic don't underplay tone. Your, no, I'm, look, no. I mean, I can't win Second ago I've been told win. I left at half four last week, which I, know, I most certainly did not leave at half four. Now I'm trying to give you some praise and you don't want to hear that either. It's a lose-lose situation here. All right. Last week we had Stephen Hunt in, which entertained everybody, including himself, uh, from two o'clock <laughs> until five. It was pretty fantastic stuff. We invented a new slot live on the air <laughs> called Relationship Advice with Stephen Hunt. Didn't go so well for the women of Tipperary. No. Who he has very little respect for. <laughs> Slanderous. Slanderous, yeah. It's Basically, kind of, uh, the two the two points of target for Stephen Hunt last week were Tipperary women and Dave McIntyre. Yeah. Yeah. He did He did phone, he made contact during the week to say, oh, listen, you know, maybe I shouldn't have no, done I'm this. I'm not going to talk about private phone calls. Listen, pal. Well, listen, he rang Dave during the week and said, look, you know, I said... You've been offering me a lot of buying average games, and I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it doesn't make it any less true, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Stephen, uh, there's a midday kickoff in Newcastle. It's Newcastle against Watford. I know you're living in Ipswich. I know it's a six-hour drive, but this would be great for your career. <laughs> <laughs> Dave is a salesman, is part-time. Uh, the in case you know, because obviously it's a very popular podcast, and so a lot of people increasingly are coming to this brand new, and they don't know who we are. I'm Adrian. That's Nathan. That's Dave, and we're normally with you on a Friday afternoon at some point, uh, and we will be with you over the course of the season. What we have a strike rate of about one and two, have we? Is that <laughs> no, no. We get into a we get into a rhythm of it. You know, at some stage, at some stage we'll pull, pull a digital plan together, and you know we'll make sure time will be actually given over for the podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, that seems like you're going to take on that baby, Nathan. No, so, no, uh, I certainly am not. I might have to be here until five o'clock <laughs> this evening. So let's start with the football and to continue our theme of uh, relationship advice. The first game on Saturday. Steve McPhail is with us. He is. All, All day. Course. Will we have relationship advice? We might if, if anyone has relationship advice they want to ask. He's a man of the world. He's he's seen it. He's done it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he could offer advice on any number of lefty shores. As a young man to go and seek his yeah. fortune and fame elsewhere. Achieve both yep. of those. Came back to yeah. Glorious um, welcome. So uh, we'll have Stephen with us over the course of tomorrow and all the goals and everything else as well ongoing and we'll have football chat after 5 o'clock Nathan I would assume Yeah, Ray Houghton will be joining us as always Are we ever going to get to actually talking about a game? (laughs) Yes we are Manchester United against Newcastle is the first game on Saturday at a quarter to one and I say we're going to talk about the game but I've been just doing a bit of reading about this uh, today Morgan Schneiderlin obviously a brand new Manchester City player Manchester United player Apparently it's Schneiderlin. Oh yeah, Manchester United player. It's Schneiderlin. Apparently. What? Yeah. Is the, this, um... this is like the Paul Scholes thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, do you know what this is? This is McIntyre now that he's got the big gig in TV3 and he's up against and he's up against he's up against George Hamilton here. and George Hamilton obviously the, the master guns, the of guns. pronunciation. Well, really so George is on Wednesdays. Yeah, but Dave is kind of thinking, all right, I'm going to start pronouncing some of these names a little bit different yeah. and then people will go, "Oh no, no, well, you your see, man in TV pronounces Schneiderlin." Yeah, no, but look, the mistake also, made now I do have a question. I do have a question. Felipe Claire has why? told us that it's Schneiderlin. Why were you pronouncing it? Why were you calling him Memphis and not Depay? Because he has asked the uh, media at large not to be called that. No, no, no. But there's other players who have their first name on the back of their jersey and we still call them by their but surname. But it's no, yeah. but they no, haven't specifically made a request. There. A public request. I couldn't care less. His name is Memphis Depay. 
Yeah, but he I has want to be a called very a, bad hey. relationship with his father, and he doesn't. I actually, I actually, to take that point on, right? And we'll get back to Morgan Schneider and, and Schneiderlin, whatever the, you want to call him, and his girlfriend now in a minute. But uh, um, to take that point on, why doesn't he just change his name? He doesn't want to have Depay because yeah, he has a bad relationship with his someone father. Someone asked me why doesn't he just take his mother's maiden name? Yeah. Um, I don't know what the background of that is. Don't yeah. know his situation. Can but come if back he to doesn't want us to call him sort of Depay, well, then I just won't. I go with that, I don't yeah. see what your what problem you, what, is. When you're on commentary, what are you going to... Got to call him. You're going to call him Memphis, you are. No, no, no. You are. No, we'll see. You'll be the only one in the press box and everyone will be going, that dickhead, everybody knows his name is not Depay. <laughs> he shrugged, <laughs> by the way. For, this is the, you know, <laughs> for people just singing the podcast, he just shrugged. He, whatever, in, whatever. I couldn't give a people, shit. People in the press box look at me like that quite a bit. <laughs> you um, get used to it. Schneiderlin, <laughs> Schneiderlin. What is that guy talking about? Yeah, for the record, I won't be calling him Schneiderlin. His, good. His girlfriend's name is Camille Sold, which is uh, particularly appropriate. She works um, in... Why? Because I'm about to explain, will you? Sh- she works in an Adidas, Adidas shop, right? Um, Schneiderlin, Schneiderlin, Schneiderlin earns 100 grand, 100 grand a week. Yeah. She earns 10 quid an hour in Adidas. Okay. And she just doesn't want to be a kept woman. So she, uh, around the shop, wears the 28 United jersey with sold. I presume it's a sold in the back. Um, and yeah, he drops her off at work every day. Why does she need to do this? Was sort of what I was thinking to myself. They live in Is a, it not to be admired? Is it to be admired? That she wants to make, yeah. That she wants forge her own career. Yeah. In retail. You see, Adrian, Adrian is in a difficult <laughs> position right now. Why am I in a difficult position? Because you're going down a track you don't want to go down. Why am I going because down? Because you have a problem with her working in a shop. Why? What? No. Why do I have a problem with her? What? No. So, if she no, was... No, Hang on a second. Hang on a second. All I'm saying is, right, there's a couple of things to this. She earns 10 quid an hour. So, this is just a little bit of an interest for her. Right? Yeah. Working in a, maybe she's mad at Adidas, but all I'm saying is, you know... Like, if you're pursuing a career that is not, you don't necessarily need to, uh, you know, money is not an issue for you. Are they married? No. No. Who knows how long this will last? Well, I did I did have that thought, in fairness. I think that's fair. But she does go home every evening to the five-star Lowry Hotel. I'm assuming that, you know. What? Every, every, everybody's on 10 quid an hour is not heading home every evening to the five-star Lowry Hotel. That's all I'm saying. So what, she should turn around to him and go, by the way, I want to buy a little pokey apartment somewhere to really fit this lifestyle. <laughs> I'm just saying there are some contrasts and some conflicts of... I think, I think it's a good thing. I Clearly, maybe is. she doesn't like the wag culture. She thinks, okay, these are my friends. These yeah. are the type of people I like hanging no, around keep, with. Keep her grounded. Exactly. Before she heads back to the Five Star Lowry Hotel, that's up to about a grand a night. Well, that's not her problem. It's fine. Schneiderlin, Schneiderlin, Schneiderlin. The lasers are paying for the hotel. Yeah, industry. and I presume that oh, that's a good point, Schneiderlin... Though isn't planning on living in the Lowry Hotel forever, that no, he's going to buy I'm himself a nice little... To we'll move into Phil Neville's gap pretty yeah, soon. five-bedroom house out in Cheshire. So United have been, uh, outside of adding Schneiderlin, Schneiderlin to uh, the roster, as they say, they have been burned in the transfer market. Chelsea have taken Pedro. They missed out on Sergio Ramos. And yeah, perhaps that's sour things a little bit uh, with Real Madrid. Uh LVG still thinks he can get bail. And I've seen out today he's saying that, well, I could have had Pedro. I could have had that guy. Yeah, yeah. I had a girl when I was sixteen. I thought that my best friend nicked her. I could have, had, I could have had that girl. If, he'd want, if he I could have had her Pedro, he'd you have turned her down. Yeah, I, I did really? yeah, completely. <laughs> if he wanted anyways. Pedro, he would have got him. Or if Pedro wanted to be there, yeah. he'd be there. It's just I don't know. We won't probably won't ever know exactly what's gone down with that, but it has left them in a really tough spot. Sadio Mane seems to be the 
Yeah, and that here. may not be the worst solution. There's no way West Southampton want... are going to sell anybody else, I would think. It's, it's gone so late in the transfer window. Fee, because everybody knows now that they've lost Pedro and they haven't got Ramos, that got United are the most desperate team with money in the transfer market right yeah. now. Again, so when you see them coming, it's going to be grossly inflated every market price that they're looking at. We thought United were past this when they got in early mm. and they got my mate Memphis and struck early and get their business done. Yet here we are, season on, and again, questions about Ed Woodward's ability to complete a deal. And we often talk on a Saturday, like, Jer is big into this when it comes to Manchester United. Of, the money's irrelevant. Mm. Yet they're constantly... Maybe not being outbid, but whatever way, they're, they're trying to be a little bit too smart in their... Well, he's clearly capable of completing a deal because he's completed many of them. But for the a couple big, of huge for deals. the players that other teams want? Well, there were plenty after Di Maria and they managed to get him in. Now, the fact that they're willing to pay £59.8 <laughs> million probably swayed it in their direction. But there were also a number of teams in for Schneiderland as well. Arsenal, Tottenham were very interested in taking him to the club. And there was a queue of teams looking to take Memphis Depay to the club or to, to their club over the course of the transfer window. So it's not like he, he's incapable of getting well, the job he done. Spent he did a terrible first. He spent seven, $77 million already this summer. Spent 220 last summer. United's net spend quid. this summer has been £22 million. Pounds. Net. It's pretty much nothing in relative terms. So that's, well, presumably a large chunk of that is the... De- They've got £44.5 million back for Angel Which was a loss of what... That was lost 15, at 15. Yeah. They sold yeah. Robin Van Persie for seven. But that kind of colours things a little bit sort of weirdly, but doesn't it? it? Well, it doesn't. Like they've spent How much money have they spent this million? summer? Net 22. It's a fact. Yeah, mm. no, you see, I I would kind of agree with Adrian. I, like, I think, Jesus again, well. almost the fees <laughs> are tape. not irrelevant to a certain degree, but like you look at Manchester City signing Otamendi and the fact that Valencia owned City, owed City money from the Negredo deal and it gets very complicated as to exactly how much teams have spent and you're spending 30 million up front and then it's 5 million a year and then you don't actually end up ever paying that. Mm. I do think the money is somewhat irrelevant with Manchester United. They have so much of it. So the question is, why can't they get the players they want? Why couldn't they get Fabregas last season? Like, is there an issue with Van Gaal? The speculation was, and maybe it's just people putting two and two together and getting five when it comes to Victor Valdez talks to Pedro and says, this guy's a dickhead. You don't want to be coming here. He's going to ruin your life. That modern day footballers. <laughs> Hang on a second. How is he going to watch? What? Why is he saying that to him? He's Victor Valdez. Well, okay. Okay. But like Pedro, someone goes, well, he's going to ruin my life. What? I'd say there's a very good chance that Pedro, when making his decision, spoke to Victor Valdez. Yeah. And he said, you're going to. But Jose Mourinho, from what we. Right. Jose Mourinho is a very different type of manager to Lou Van Gaal. And that maybe the younger footballers nowadays look at Van Gaal and think. It's a lot of hassle. I've got to go live in Manchester. This guy's going to be at me constantly and nagging me and he's peculiar. <laughs> and I just don't need that. I could go and live in London, work with Jose Mourinho, who's going to tell everybody I'm the best right-sided midfielder in the world. He may well turn me into the best right-sided midfielder in the world. I'm going to be certainly challenging for the title, have a chance of winning the Champions League this year again. I think that's a complete. I love how that's become a fait accompli now that this conversation in such fine detail he's going to be nagging me. <laughs> it, if Chelsea came in late to the situation your story would very much stack up I think because at the moment it would seem that for much of the events that took place over the last few weeks United were his only option and then as soon as Chelsea come in for all the reasons that you've listed they all stack up and they all probably added together and he decided getting to live in London 
are certainly earning as much money at Stamford Bridge as he would have been at Old Trafford. Mm. And he doesn't have to uh, deal with somebody in his ear like Valdez telling him, you just do not want to come here because this guy's crazy. Um, one other point on United ahead of this game against Newcastle, the lunchtime game on Saturday. Wayne Rooney under a little bit of pressure. We're a couple of games mm. in and the question of whether or not this is really warranted or not. And look, I think for me, we're United three games into the season. The like, if you look at the team that are around um, Wayne Rooney, the back four, uh, you know, one one uh, left-sided defender who is brand new, another one who's only twenty games at United, a central midfielder who's brand new, Yanazai who's already played with Rooney, and Memphis who he hasn't played with at all, and then also Schweini in that Villa game comes in for Carrick, and suddenly there's a whole new structure to this team, and is it? almost surprising that it's not exactly gelling as uh, as it might do with 20 or 30 games under their belt well you saw United on Tuesday night and you were commentating on, on them Friday and you well. saw them on Friday and I watched the match on Friday and it, it's it's quite similar with Liverpool at the moment you know they're grinding out the results they were better on Tuesday night but they they'd be expected to beat Bruges and they were better going forward and there was a bit more cohesion though that left them a little bit more open at the back whereas they've been pretty solid at the back in, in the first two games with Rooney the problem is that you know he'll have a good spell this season but our expectations for the very best players have risen so much because of Ronaldo and Messi which we shouldn't be comparing Rooney to but even the likes of Alexis Sanchez who does it more or less every single week and Manchester United if they want to win the league can't afford to have they're be- technically the guy who should be their mm. best player doing it for a six game stretch where he'll score for six games in a row and then he won't score again for another six, seven games not touching the ball inside the area against Villa for a number nine is completely unacceptable like he's not in the right areas and I compa- but does that not point to a greater issue I mean because Wayne Rooney is a clever footballer right so does that not say that he's actually having to be to play a deeper role or to play another sort of position well, that not, might not have been his dedicated position, that he's feeling that he needs to do that. Well, maybe his head is just completely messed up after the last couple of years and been pulled back into centre midfield, being played as a number 10. A week later, he might be playing on the left, he might be playing on the right. And that he just doesn't know where he's actually mm. meant to be and that he doesn't know how to play as a number nine. Like, mm. he's not your typical Manchester United number nine of a Robin Van Persie or a Ruud Van Nistelrooy and just hanging on the defender's shoulder. He's constantly coming deep and he's almost coming too deep. He's drifting out and around. And maybe you're right. Maybe it is a case of a month down the line that Rooney's game hasn't changed dramatically. He's still coming deep. But that the likes of Memphis and Yanuzai and Mata realise that, well, if Rooney comes out here, I need to make the run in behind. And suddenly it all clicks. But at the moment, he's he's 30 next month. 31 in October. 31 in October. Like, that's depressing. But <laughs> it's but I look. I think if we're still into this situation in a month's time or six weeks' time, and he hasn't scored, and United aren't creating chances, then there's an issue. But their start to the season couldn't have been better. They've won their first two Premier League games for the first time since 2011. They have more than one foot on the group stages of the Champions League. I mean, you, you would expect them to get the job done next weekend. Rooney was immeasurably better on Tuesday night. They compared in comparison mm. on his touch for the third Memphis opportunity was as good as you'll ever see. It was this beautifully delicate, weighted back flick straight into his path. His first touch generally was far better and he was involved in the play an awful lot more. If he improves again against Newcastle tomorrow in the early kickoff, well, there might be green shoots of a Rooney recovery in that centre forward position because he does he, love playing against Newcastle. It's tr- it's probably three goals years, in twenty matches, probably three 20 years starts. since Rooney has started three consecutive games 
at in the same form. position. Mm. Yeah. So let's just so reserve judgment on him for yeah, another few weeks. That opportunity, like that, would have been one of the goals of the season. It really right would. There it was if... an excellent game, right from Luke Shaw's mistake and winning the ball back immediately yeah. to the flick. It would have been absolutely brilliant. But is the though. problem not that Memphis, because Rooney's been not the player he was and has been off form that actually there was no way Memphis could have predicted that Wayne Rooney's going to have this beautiful little touch back to him and as though he could have been ready for it I don't think we can excuse Memphis for not hitting the target on that one because it was the easiest of the three chances that he had to, to score the hat-trick but look I would let's just come back in two or three weeks and see where United are if they've beaten Newcastle beaten Swansea which are their next two games and they've knocked Bruges out mm. well you're looking at a, a perfect start to the new season it took them till the end of September to pick up six Premier League mm. points last season. Yeah, they're immeasurably they better than yeah. where they were this time last season. And Schweinsteiger, well, I think, once he's got 90 minutes in his... our initial part of this conversation. Well, I was sitting back late leaving you two boys oh, to right, it. Sure, I've all. been impressed with what Schweinsteiger's been doing because when he's come on, he's sort of taking control in midfield in both games. But we have to qualify everything by saying they haven't met a really good team yet. Mm. It could still go, much like Liverpool, it could still go yeah. either way. Mm. That in a month's time, we're looking back at these couple of 1-0 wins and thinking, actually, the signs were there that they're not all that. Yeah, well, they also know opponent has scored against them yet. So, yeah. you know, three clean sheets and in inverted commas as well. Yeah. So, we shall see. That's uh, United-Newcastle at Old Trafford, 12.45 on Saturday. Um, the games I'm going to be keeping an eye on are two absolute belters on Saturday afternoon on Off the Ball. They've been... I've been assigned uh, West Ham against Bournemouth from Upton Park, uh, one of the three o'clock games, and also at that time, Leicester City against Tottenham. Who comes up with this shit, Nathan? <laughs> what games have you got? What games have I got? You've got uh, Crystal Palace yeah. against Aston Villa. That's fine. And Norwich City against Stoke City. Yeah, that's okay. I don't I don't understand your negativity. Um, Leicester City, top of the league against Spurs. Like this is, if Leicester win this, they've never won their first three games in the top <laughs> flight. You're selling to me. And um, Spurs, like Spurs are so, Spurs, again, like it's such a typical Spurs start to the season. So the first two games, they're far better than Manchester United in the first game. They lose to an own goal. Second game of the season, at home, they're 2-0 up against Stoke. They end up drawing. So they should have at least four points to start the season, possibly even six. And here we are, two games into it, mm. one point. Already Same five old, points behind typical like, Spurs. all of their Champions League competitors bar Chelsea. I don't see Spurs challenging for Champions League It looks this year. like this year's Champions League is a five-way mm. uh, chase for four spots, as opposed to other seasons where you could genuinely throw Tottenham and Everton and Southampton last season And that's the probably well, I mean let's say Well it's last mm, season's top four and Liverpool to- uh, yeah, yeah What makes this season so interesting for the top four are and um, what hopefully like you would really hope that Manchester City don't run away with it is that That's the point that Swansea, I was at, how many positions are actually up for grabs Swansea, Stoke Crystal Palace Newcastle to a certain degree Southampton will still be there. All those sides have strengthened and will be able to take points off Liverpool and Manchester United Mm -hmm. and Spurs in particular and probably Arsenal as well. Not quite sure about Chelsea and Manchester City. So they will close the gap. Like I definitely think the points to win the title will be a lot lower this year than the last couple of years and it will all tighten up the first... The top 10 will be a lot closer than they were, which means we're going to see a lot more surprises. But it also means for a team like Spurs that the fact that the four teams behind them have all improved and Spurs really haven't it means they could massively struggle like you look at Everton now I wouldn't I wouldn't be putting money on Everton finishing in the top well not if they end up seven, losing their key players over the next couple of weeks particularly Norwich Stoke um, one of your games Norwich have bid in a timely fashion one and a half million quid for John Walters I see today mm. 
Uh, he's out of contract at Stoke next season, and he's pushing for a three-year deal at Stoke. He's 31. I'd, yeah, I would suggest well. a three-year deal would be pretty... I mean, Stoke are not a team are going to get relegated anytime soon to be 34 uh, playing in that position... You know, I think it's a bit of an ask. I think the club There's are no yeah. Stoke are going to give him three. Years. No, I think they're giving him two. I think they're trying to offer him two years. I think he should. He should definitely take off. that. Yeah. Now, if well, you were like, to get if Norwich are going to offer him a three-year deal, the, the way his well, agent they, will well, be spinning this to him yeah. is: listen, this is probably your last good contract. Yeah. If Norwich are going to offer you a three-year deal for twenty-five grand a year, or Stoke are going to offer you a two-year deal for twenty-five grand a year, listen, you might achieve a little bit more with Stoke. Take the money with Norwich. Well, they've rejected the offer, Stoke. So maybe mm-hmm. they're just looking for Norwich to make it two or three. Million. But it would seem unlikely that. I yeah, I understand the point you're making, but I don't know why Norwich would necessarily have better resources in that way. No, they don't. Stoke but would. they, but Stoke are looking at a different type of player now. So when they're weighing up, do we in Stoke are looking above them? Norwich are still their sole aim this season mm-hmm. is survival. But Stoke are looking with the investment they've made this summer of okay, maybe we can finish eighth this year. Perhaps next year we can start thinking trying to push into the Europa League. So, do they still want John Walters in three years' time? Mm. Whereas Norwich probably will. Oh, yeah. That's, I don't disagree with that, yeah. Like, he always plays. Like, he played he 32 always... games in the Premier League last season. Mm. That's pretty impressive. And he was, it was his second best ever goal-scoring return as well. Yeah. He was getting 12 goals, goals in all well. competition. So, he's, um, he's a very good player. If Norwich were able to get him for one and a half million, that's a brilliant buy. Even though I spoke to him after the, uh, the uh, Stoke-Liverpool game. And I was chatting about this, about... You know, this time last season, he'd actually been left out of the side by Mark Hughes, who was looking to try and shift things. And actually, he realised can't get by without John Walters because yeah. of the work rate he puts in. And in that Liverpool game, like he was such a target, it was such an easy option for them. Stick him on Joe Gomez on his debut, high ball after high ball, and Walters won every single one of them. And then to play that well and be patronised by Brendan Rodgers afterwards, who came up to him after the match, said thanks for that. Thanks for giving the young lad a good test on his debut. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely my intention, Brendan. After you've yeah. just lost. Yeah. Uh, Sunderland Swansea is the other game on Saturday, and then on Sunday it's uh, Watford Southampton four o'clock. Nathan is going to be at Everton Manchester City at four alongside uh, Clinton Morrison. And Nathan, I know that uh, you well initially you're excited about doing another commentary with Clinton Morrison. No, this is my first Dave commentary on the previous. He made his debut any, alongside any, me last season. Any hints for him? For Nathan or yeah. for Clinton? Yeah. <laughs> Both. Nathan. Clinton's well able to look after himself. Right. Yeah. What about Nathan? <laughs> <laughs> any advice? Could you I'll, be giving, I'll be ringing Clinton, offering a <laughs> yeah. tip from working with Nathan. Um, Clinton is on d- up there, top two, three cult heroes do you remember in Ireland. What, what game we walked? We Ireland, Scotland. We, he I, came over to do the... Yeah. Uh, the three dugout out, yeah. in the players lounge which we do before every Ireland game and like, obviously you know Clinton is quite popular mm. so after the game myself yourself and Clinton left the ground and we walked back to through kind Haddington, of beggars Haddington, bush Haddington, Haddington Road, Road and yeah. the, all the pubs around there yeah. I have never seen a reaction like it for an the Ireland player the crowd outside Slattery's which is if anybody knows it on match day is absolutely rammed like it's that it's in a junction it's like the point the top point of a triangle and there's a lot of footpaths based there, and there are a couple of hundred people outside, and they all turned around and started shouting his name. And then he reacted, he was... Delighted. Clinton, Clinton, give us a wave. There were many waves outside, <laughs> outside many pubs and many selfies. He loved it. Anyway, uh, Everton against Man City. City two from two, two clean sheets. 
Vincent Company scores the last time out. He's so passionate, Nathan. He's up in the hoarding. And I put it to you, and I mean, I'm sure you're going to be keeping an eye out for it this weekend. We are witnessing the rebirth of Vincent Company. I would agree. Oh. It's not, I, I don't have an issue with Vincent Company, oh, you think the you player. Listen, I think Vincent Company. Anybody who's a regular listener to this podcast will know that is a lie. No. Last season, you cannot deny that his form dropped massively. I don't think he would deny that. Well, no. What you were saying was that I, he knows I'm, where the camera is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would still say that. I would still, but that's fine. That's fine knowing where the camera when is. If your performances can back. Oh, no. Generally. generally. Like, just easy, like, like, by, so, the way, by the way, <laughs> by the way, first of all, you obviously never listened to his podcast when you're not here. But because he was doing this like every second week last year. But his point is that, like, if, you know. City give away a penalty or they concede a goal. That company is, you know, you know, like a player's reaction. You've scored no G or you've conceded. It's like hands in the head, and so I'm not very happy about this. But this fella's theory is that company knows where the camera is, and he's like looking out through his fingers, going, oh, "Where do I need to play up to this?" As opposed to it being a natural reaction. No, no. What, what I'm saying is that, is that exactly he overreacts. So City concede a goal and he's somehow at fault but he throws himself around the place because it means more to him than anyone else and he's not going to accept this type of performance even though he's some way culpable for actually the concession of the goal it might have been his mistake a little bit further <laughs> up the pitch it's, I just think when you're, when you're winning when you're winning it's fine it's a theory <laughs> it's a shy theory. No, no, like no. The whole lurking, you know, when he was out injured at the end of last season, and he 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 would stand in the tunnel. Yeah. So he'd be just standing there by himself in the tunnel, and the camera'd zoom in on him four or but five sure, times he's not in every game. The thing. He doesn't know if somebody's going to be zooming ah, in. Ah, he on knows him. well. Oh, jeez. This is like your. Uh, You've grown like very cynical of Valdez saying months. to Pedro, "He's going to be nagging you. He's going to make your life a misery." Uh, anyway, the fact is that he's playing much better and Mangala yeah. last weekend alongside him was excellent. Probably his best performance in a um, Man-, Man City jersey. Although he was up against uh, Diego Costa, who is half the player he was in the first 10 games last season. Chelsea got a major problem on their hands in terms of what they're getting out of Costa because he was just bullied and he was frustrated and he moaned and bitched his way through the game. Um, company's header at the Hawthorns uh, last Monday week. Mm. I was watching the commentary and, and our listeners of the commentary, they were all talking about what a great header it was. It caught him on the shoulder. It was a complete yeah, fluke. Totally, yeah. It wasn't yeah. A, this thumping yeah, yeah. header that they were playing up for I don't know how long what, afterwards. I, Every I, replay. I watched, I thought, said that it did clip him on the shoulder. Not, I, I was watching Match in Sky and they certainly didn't mention that. Every time the replay mm. came up, I was waiting for them to say, do you know, he got a little bit lucky there. He didn't catch it at all. It's come off his shoulder and looped over the goalkeeper. But it was his header last weekend was a much better one and they gave up so few chances to Chelsea. I was really impressed with them. But they're up against an Everton team who have got the start they wanted. You know, have got four points from six. Mm. Uh, mixed performances, but they'll be delighted with how Ross Barkley started the season because he really didn't deliver last season at all. Certainly in the second half of the season, he didn't deliver. And while it's still the same Everton team, I mean, they pretty much haven't added anybody to their squad. I think they're going to give Siri- City a serious test here. Yeah. I hope they do. I, ho- I hope they do. City you look are at going their... to be going to places like the Hawthorns, Gullison Park, and just leaving routine victories doesn't bode well for the season. Yeah, you couldn't but be impressed by Barkley and Lukaku away at Southampton last weekend. And I've done quite a few Everton games over the last couple of years and I was never impressed actually by either of them, particularly Barkley, who just was bypassed in so many games and he always seemed to be taken off on the hour mark. But the big difference last week was that for once, Martinez finally changed the system. So for 
his entire two and a bit seasons, they've played essentially a 4-2-3-1 formation, which teams figured out last year. They yeah. knew exactly how to stop Everton. And one of the key parts of that was, well, just put your wingers pushing far up the pitch, keep Coleman and Baines pegged back, and you take a huge away, amount away from Everton in an attacking sense. Now, obviously, Baines is out at the moment. But last week, he played more or less kind of four central midfielders and a sort of a diamond with Barry at the base of it and then cleverly on the right, McCarthy slightly on the left and then Barkley behind Lukaku and Kone sort of on the yeah, right as well. Without Kone a left. seems to come and go as he pleases, but yeah. he's actually delivering. Um, I don't think he's the best liked player at Everton, Aruna Kone, but he spent an awful lot of time at the injury mm. table, so maybe he still has to forge his reputation there. But you would hope that they will and their new flexibility you described, that they will at least ask City a couple of questions that Chelsea couldn't ask last weekend. Because they're playing with a decent bit of energy. Chelsea yeah. just seem to be devoid of energy at the moment. They have a horrendous fixture list coming up, Everton. So they have City this week, then they have Spurs, Chelsea, Swansea, West Brom, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal. Christ. So... The old Robbie Martinez uh, fist pump and swing of the arm as he was doing against Southampton the last day might not be too evident. For the we'll see where they are at the end of November. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, City were super impressive last weekend. Like, even Raheem Sterling, it wasn't your typical Raheem Sterling performance. It was very disciplined. Gave Ivanovic a bit of a nightmare. And even though he you know, he maybe didn't go on any of these slaloming runs that you would associate with Raheem Sterling, he knew his job, which was to just keep Ivanovic pegged back, run at him again and again and again. And then, watching the analysis on, on Monday Night Football, they were pointing out that everything just came down that left-hand side. And he was where, helped where a lot Sterling by as well. He yeah, but superb. he probably doesn't need to be, like where at Liverpool, he probably needed to be that player who was making those runs mm. because he was mm. looking around him going, well, who the, am I going to pass this ball to? Whereas at City, he understands that actually the people around him have the capacity to play football to a much higher level. And Yaya and Torres to be that individ- looks like he's, yeah, he's back. He's in the mood. Aguero was razor sharp. He was so good in that first half an hour. Could have, should have had a hat-trick or certainly had two anyway. And but it's more, the more unheralded guys we've already talked about. Fernandinho was brilliant last weekend. We've mentioned Mangala, who's had a, str- a struggle in his first season, and Alexander Kolarov. If he continues to play like he has in the first two games, Gael Clichy won't be able to get back into that team. And Kolarov is going to pr- make up a really good partnership with down that left hand side with Raheem Sterling. They might just be a bit short if they pick up a couple of bad injuries. If something happens to Torre and Aguero. I think they're in serious trouble. They won't. I'd say they won't win anything. Wouldn't have a chance of winning anything if they lose one or both of those two. Yeah. Because I really don't think Boney's going to become a great player at Man City. Well, Aguero's the outstanding player in the league right yeah. now. Like he's the most important player in the league. If he stays fit, if he can play thirty-five league games this season, City will win the league because he'll score thirty league goals. Yeah, he's just super, absolutely brilliant. There's definitely shades of City this time, City last season, of Chelsea this season that they've lost all their energy and the way Chelsea played at the end of last season when they were just grinding out the results and we kind of assumed that yeah, once they, they had were the looking break tired for the summer then, weren't they? Yeah, and the kind of assumption was well they played brilliantly for the first half of the season and now they were just going to cruise through and not take any risks mm. whereas actually maybe the end of last season was hinting at a a greater problem. Now perhaps the, Pedro changes all that. The first goal last weekend or sorry the first chance in the first 30 seconds. Mm. David Silva just moved away from Cesc Fabregas. If if Fabregas had been there with a Zimmer frame, he wouldn't have been moving any slower than he was when he was trying to chase Silva down before he slid that ball through to Sergio Aguero. And I, even to me, that was just an indication of Fabregas, who's a couple of years younger than David Silva. 
who was unable to keep up with him. It's not like yeah. Silva's the paciest man in the Premier League. Fabregas was just going backwards. And he looks like a shadow of the player that started the first 20 games last season and was being talked about as the footballer of the year. Is it a similar situation? I mentioned Roberto Martinez and playing the same system all the time. You look at this Chelsea squad and it's the exact same team essentially as the one they played throughout last season and the exact same system with Matic and Fabregas mm-hmm. in the centre, Hazard on the left, either Ramirez or William or someone like that and then Oscar playing behind Diego Costa. That the coaching, the standard of coaching is so high that all the opposition coaches know, right, Nemanja Matic does the exact same thing in every game. So does Fabregas. Stand on top of Fabregas and you just stop so much of what Chelsea yeah. do. Mm. But, uh, but, uh, but by the same token, presumably... <laughs> you know, Chelsea are not stupid. Jose Mourinho's not stupid. The coaches oh, are not stupid. Really. It's, uh, you know. John Terry's another issue. 38 games yeah. last season in yeah. the Premier League. Hoiked he was off one at of two time. players that played every game. game of the season. Taken off at half time. They just, they've a lot of problems to get through at the moment. I, you know, Chelsea, obviously, they're champions and worthy champions. Had Chelsea finished fourth last season and were in a Champions League playoff, I think they would have been in serious trouble if they mm. come up against a decent team. But they need to wake up very soon. And West Brom know they have to get something because they're already struggling West Brom. Pulis are going to try and lock this game down. And you could end up with Chelsea having two points from possible nine, I think, by Sunday evening. Uh, that will be our first game, that West Brom-Chelsea game on Sunday, half past one with a Mark Scott and John Anderson, and then over to Nathan for Everton City. That's it, lads, for week one. One week down. Cheers, boys. When will week two be? <laughs> uh, hopefully next week. All right, and great. We'll, uh, we can have a breather after that. I think it's international. Oh, actually, so great. Yeah. Right, lads, let's psych yeah, ourselves up. Yeah, look, we need to psych ourselves up for next Friday. Let's get that momentum. And uh, as always, you can get in contact with us during the week on Twitter or whatever. Good luck. <laughs>